Last week, if you remember, I was talking about, I began with the story of at 4.30 each day, I'd go into the kitchen and I would attempt to have cookies or chips because I was going to starve to death and my mother told me that I was going to wait for dinner. We talked about how it was important because if I ate the chips or cookies, my hunger would be masked. I wouldn't desire the nourishment that came from my mom's food and how thankful I am that she did that to me and how little I knew that she had a biblical concept. We asked the question about why believers who are to be marked by joy don't seem to have the joy God intends for us. And then we poked back at ourselves and we thought, we said, well, why don't we have the joy God desires for us? Last week, we looked at the first three, we'll call them food groups of, of joy. Do you guys remember what they were? I'd like to invite one person to come up and refresh what we talked about last week for, for each one. So who wants to go first? Number one was peace with God. Huh. We have peace with God. We talked about the illustration of if your neighbor paid your bill and you found out that they paid your bill, what would you say? And the question was, well, what bill was it, right? Remember that? Was it postage due? It was $1.53, you say thanks. Was it your cable bill? hundred and some odd bucks, you might say, well, that was awful nice. Was it your mortgage? Wow. Right, you get a wow. But what if it was $7.5 million due to the federal government for late tax fees? And you didn't have the money, and if you couldn't pay the money, you were going to jail. Well, now you go, wow, wow, thanks. And we thought about, talked about what bill Jesus paid for us. And it was more than the tax bill. He justified us. We went beyond there and we looked at how we have access to God, a foreign concept to the Jews. Exodus 19, remember that mountain the Lord came down upon? How many of y'all would be running up the mountain to see him? You'd be dead. The Holy of Holies, right? Who'd be running in to take a selfie? You'd be dead. You can no more approach God than you can approach the Son, but through Jesus we have access to God, peace with God, access to God, and assurance of salvation. We have, we, in this faith in which we stand, and we looked at Jude 24 and how we stand in our faith, God causes us to stand. The Holy Spirit of Ephesians 1 is an engagement ring, if you will, an assurance of the promise that is to come, that, that God has granted us as those who are justified. And, and I had two more points to make, but we ran out of time. Actually, you all ran out of patience. I would have kept going. So today we will finish up, God willing, and, and we're going to finish up with something incredible here. So I'm in, I'm in Ephesians. No, I'm not. I'm in Romans chapter 5. And it says in verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we what? In hope of the glory of God, not only that, but we what? In our sufferings? Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love to us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. 
For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So I want to drive home two points today. And the two points are, we serve a living Savior, and we can rejoice in suffering. Now, now, why do I say a living Savior? Well, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by what? The death of his son. What's it say after that? How much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? Actually, the Greek reads, shall we be being saved by his life? I often think we think of Jesus as a first century figure who got left back there. Maybe a a great friend who, a military compatriot, a grenade was thrown, he threw himself on the grenade, he covered the grenade, the grenade blew up, he died, we lived. We remember him. How wonderful what he did, how incredibly gracious and loving. But here's the thing, my friends. How incredible if a fellow soldier lays on a grenade to save his mates, right? But imagine the grenade blows up, and the guy dies, and all of a sudden the dead guy gets back up. And it turns out the dead guy who was serving in infantry wasn't actually infantry, he was a five-star. You say, I thought there were four. No, there's a five-star. That's your commander-in-chief. And imagine if he's even more than that. He's king of kings and lord of lords, and he entered the infantry to live with you so that he might save you by taking the grenade for you. And do you know what the grenade was? The wrath of God. Jesus is not stuck in the first century. He's a very present help in time of trouble. He lived, he died, he rose, and he's still living. You have in Jesus, as those who have been justified, a great high priest who prays for you and keeps you and causes you to be being saved. Did you know that? You are positionally saved. Practically speaking, you are being saved day by day through Christ who will cause you to be saved by causing you to endure in his power for his glory. Are you, are you all tracking with me here? He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. And he's here. Jesus is a 21st century savior. He's a 22nd century savior if we get so far. He is eternal. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. God is omniscient and omnipotent, all-seeing and all-knowing. He is with you wherever you go. Now, Now, peace with God, access to God, Assurance of salvation, cared for by a living Savior. Great facts. How do we live in light of them? (sighs) Let's just do this. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. (sighs) Who's suffering today? Put your hand up if you're suffering with something. Nobody, nobody, put your hand, let's do it this way, put your hand up. Okay, that's who's suffering. Cammie, are we humming back there? Is that me? No, okay. How do you rejoice in suffering? If you had all the money you wanted, could you have joy? Don't say no, let's be serious here. It's Pastor John, come on. 
If you had that $7.5 million, could you be happy? All the bills are paid, the house is paid off, you get the new car, we're going to Fiji on my dime if I have the money. Could you be happy with $7.5 million? You want to know the answer? What do you say? It would help? You sit on a throne of lies. The answer is it depends. What do you see the money as? What about if you had no money? Could you be happy? What if you had $7.50? Could you be happy? It depends. Because do you know what money is? It's a sign that points to God. But the world offers a cheap substitute for joy called happiness. And happiness is having your circumstances favorably positioned to your liking. And if you can do that, you have happiness. So if you want to worship stuff, and it ain't just money, we'll keep going here. It's looks, it's your body, it, it's, it's everything you have is a sign to point to Jesus. But if you stop to worship the sign, you can't have joy. Circumstances change. Do you know what doesn't change? His name is Jesus. Listen, listen to me. The world offers a fleeting happy meal, but Jesus offers a bounty of eternal joy. Did you hear me there? We, we fall captive to what the world offers, and it's called happiness. Happiness is a feeling. Happiness is, is found in things. Happiness is found in a job, a relational status, looks, health, intellect, friends, horses. We talked about horses, houses. We talked about this, maybe horses. We talked about this yesterday. Do you know who Joel Osteen is? Your best life now. Prosperity gospel, false preacher. But you know, we may say he's a false preacher, but we all worship the same God he does at times because we try to have our best life now. We have lost a sense of heaven and we've lost a sense of hell. We don't yearn, listen, we don't yearn for heaven. We got money and health care and houses and vacations. Who needs heaven? And we don't fear hell. Because if we feared hell, we would be out proclaiming the gospel and understand what it means that we have peace with God. So we say, Jesus, make me happy. Mix in what I want. Give me favorable circumstances. But favorable circumstances don't bring joy. They don't. You think, well, if I was just healthy, I'd have joy. Listen, you'd gripe about something. If I had $7.5 million, I'd be happy. No, you'd want 10.5. If, if I had a, a job I loved, I'd be happy. There ain't no job to love. If I had a better house or more houses or a nicer car, stop. Stop. It's stuff. It's circumstances. They're signs. What is, what is money a sign for? Two. How does money point to Jesus? Well, let, let's see. My money says, in God we trust. My heart says, in money I trust. Amen? Mm-hmm. Mm, did I say that out loud? <laughs> we want security and provision, and we, and we want protection and access to things. Well, my God says he'll provide for all of my needs in Christ Jesus. A dollar never saved nobody, but somebody saved a dollar. Jesus saves everybody. Listen to this. Money points to Jesus by reminding us that he came to save and provide and protect and guide and to give us all that we need. When you look at a buck, do you look to Christ through that sign or do you stop and stare and worship the idol? What about your relational status? If I just had a spouse, if I just had a better spouse, if I could just get rid of my spouse, 
If I just had a friend, if I just had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, if, stop. If you just had Jesus and understood who he was, you'd have joy. My wife cannot bring me joy. She can bring me happiness, and she's a wonderful wife. But it's only when I see her pointing to Christ that I have the joy as I love her as Christ has called me to. When you have a problem in the marriage, the problem is you ain't looking at Jesus. Amen? When you got a problem with the money, the problem is you ain't looking at Jesus. Amen? When you got a problem at work or home, the problem is you're worshiping the sign. You want to be able to rejoice in suffering. Well, well, well if you're sick... You can't have joy. Did you know that? Jerry and Jim cannot have joy. Right? Well, somebody better say heretic real quick. Because it says right here that, that we're able to, it says over here, re, re, does that say rejoice in our suffering? Dude has cancer. This guy's been in and out of hospital and rehab. They can't have joy. But it says they, I don't don't know how you do this. Yeah, I know how you do this. They may not have help, but they got Jesus, Amen? amen? So do you know who's in charge of their present affliction? Do you know who they have access to? Do you know the power at work on their behalf? Do you know who Jerry's friend is? His name is Jesus. And one day, my friends, you will all die, and you will have greater joy than you can imagine. So when your body fails, you can rejoice in that there was a body and a man who never failed, who came to give us a better body to live with him for all of eternity. Amen? Amen. Woo, is it getting hot in here? (laughs) Who's got trouble at home? Who's got trouble at work? Who's got trouble with the bills? Who's got trouble with friends? Who's got trouble with their body? Who got trouble in their head? Listen to me. Joy is only found in Christ. This light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Do you believe that? Paul says, I know how to be brought low. He also says, and I know how to abound. Well, you're like, dude, dude, being rich ain't a problem. Oh, yeah, it's a problem. Being poor ain't a, being poor ain't a problem. Being rich ain't a problem. Do you know what the problem is? When your status determines your joy. Because status can't bring you joy. But my friends, slow down for a minute and think with me here. I'm telling myself to slow down. Y'all ain't moving. Where in life are you chasing joy? in all the wrong places. Take a minute there. Take a day, huh? Where in life? Look at how you're living your life. Look at where you're storing up your time, talent, and treasure. Look at what you're chasing after. Look at what you're praying to God for. Where are you chasing joy? In all the wrong places. Because if you're chasing joy in your health, you're going to be torn apart in suffering. If you're chasing God in a relationship, you're going to be torn apart in suffering. If you're chasing God in your finances and you fill in the blank, you will be torn apart when trials come. But if you're trusting in Christ, whoo! Though the earth give way, 
though the mountains crumble into the sea, there's no need to fear because you know what doesn't crumble or go away? His name is Jesus. My friends, circumstances will always change. Jesus never does. Trials will always come, but do you understand your position in Jesus never, came, never changes if you're saved? And he never wavers in his care for you. You see, sometimes we are fighting so doggedly to find joy in stuff, and the world says, come with me, and the world looks at us following them, and we become malnourished Christians. Put down the chips and the cookies. Jesus is cooking a better feast. In fact, as a great wrestler once said back in the days, do you smell what the rock is cooking? And I mean this rock. <laughs> Jesus prepares a feast before us. How many times you hear the pastor drop the rock? <laughs> Jesus is preparing a feast for us. And when you suffer, do you know what often Jesus is graciously doing? Listen to me. He's saying, give me the chips. Give, give me the cookies. But I'm going to die. You're going to die. But I'm the resurrection and the life. Jim and Jerry right now are forced to eat a lot of healthy food, amen? But, but we want to eat the chips and the cookies. They, they taste good. They're delicious. The world eats them, and we look at the world, and they're so happy on Facebook, at least. Lost people are a hot mess. Y'all a hot mess too, amen? I can speak as a fellow hot mess. But part of the reason we're such a hot mess is we're trusting in other things than Jesus. And in this life, what God is driving us to is to trust in him more fully. What do you think that you need that you can't lose or can't go without? Don't answer that one out loud. What if Jesus said to you, Give me that. Would you say no? Do you know what you have before you there? You got a big old bag of chips and cookies that you got to put down. He doesn't always say, give it to me. But he says, would you give it to me? Remember the rich young ruler? Jesus would never ask for all your money. <laughs> really? Jesus would never want you to be miserable. God wants to bless you and provide for you and give you abundance and riches and wealth in this life. Amen. Your best life now. Don't go mocking Joel Osteen while we're worshiping Joel Osteen, okay? Your best life ain't now. I go to the beach every summer. I love the beach. I told the guys yesterday, we get to the beach, we sit down on the beach. Within five minutes, I hear somebody go, ah, this is heaven. It ain't heaven when you get back to the car with the kids and they ruin your freshly cleaned car, is it? it? It ain't heaven when the sunburn sets in, is it? It ain't heaven when you're like, I gotta go to the bathroom so bad and people are like, go pee in the sea. And I'm like, that's disgusting. It ain't heaven quite. For those who are saved, it's far closer to hell on earth. Listen to me. Enjoy the beach. I do. Enjoy the money. Enjoy the cars. Enjoy the houses. Enjoy this. Enjoy the hell. But enjoy it as a sign that points to Christ. How does the ocean point to Christ? You know those bags we do at the beginning? And watch this. God can hold all the waters in the palm of his hand. Sit at the beach and marvel at the glory and the power of God. 
Whew! What happens if you can't go to the beach? Jesus goes with you. My friends, the five basic food groups of joy. Did you know that's what Romans 5 was? The five basic food groups of joy. Are you feasting on the reality that you have peace with God? Are, are you living in that reality? It ain't a feeling, it's a position. Peace with God. Not an enemy, peace. Not an enemy, a friend. Not an enemy, a child. I am a friend of God. I am a child of God. My daddy is king of kings and lord of lords. Wow. I mean, do you realize who you are in Christ? Your daddy is the God who created all things. Just chew on that a moment. But God, I'm going to die. No, you're not. And if you do, I'll raise you from the dead. Remember Abraham in Romans 4? Chill out. I think Jesus says that all the time to me, at least. Chill out. I'm in charge. You're not. I know what I'm doing. Chill out. Go die to self, John. But Jesus, it's so hard. Just die to self. Trust me. But I don't want to. You won't live until you die. And I give him my little idol like I'm some wonderful mature saint. And he takes my idol and I go, you, you knew what you were talking about. He's like, uh-huh. Give him your cookies. Give him your chips. You can do it also because you have access to God. We pray. Do you know who hears us pray? Now, no, no. y'all are falling asleep on me. When we pray, who hears us pray? Do you see how crazy that is? God, the world calls him on a disconnected phone. He ain't listening because you ain't got no access. I know he hears. I understand the theology. But you don't have access as a lost person to pray to God. We pray. I could call my daddy growing up. I could get his, him pulled out of his office because I, I was his son. That's a big deal with my dad and his job. Hello, I need to talk, I need to, talk to Chuck, my dad. Chuck, dad, yeah? Okay, John, we'll get him. We know who you are. Okay. They'd pull him out of a meeting if his boy called. I better have a good reason. I can call Yahweh, and he answers. Peace with God, access to God, and he ain't going to kick me out of the house. Assurance of salvation. I have a very present help in time of trouble. I'm cared for by a living Savior, not a dead role model. And when, when the rubber meets the road and trials come and circumstances change and jobs are hard and bodies fail and money's short or money's large, don't miss the other side of this, or good health abounds, or I love my job, you need to be very careful to see they're just signs that point to Christ and none of those things will bring you joy. They only offer fleeting happiness that the world chases. So, my friends... When the world sees us as justified people, our lives are to be marked by joy. But how can that be? We can't force it. Only he can cause it as we feast on the nourishment of these truths. And there are many more to come in the book of Romans. If while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Why, why would God reconcile enemies? Who, who y'all hate? Don't throw names out. This gets awkward. Do you have somebody you just hate? I don't, but you just like, you're praying the imprecatory psalms on them. Some of you are like, what are the imprecatory? 
Yeah, Lord, I pray that you would kick them in the teeth and, and knee them in the groin and stomp them out. <laughs> Read the Psalms. It's in there. You're praying that way. I'm like, you know who you were to Jesus? Kevin's looking at me like he's making, I'm not making it up. Read through there. It doesn't say him in the groin, but kick him in the teeth in there. <laughs> we were enemies of God, good for nothing, idolatrous, God-hating sinners. If while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by what? The death of his son. How much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be being saved by his life? Oh, what a friend I have in Jesus. So as I go through life, maybe, listen, maybe I check my mail Monday and someone says, Pastor, we are so thankful for the work the Lord is doing through your life. We sent you a $7.5 million check to support the ministry. You know what I look like? You know, what, you know what I should look like? Praise you, God, for your provision. And you know where that should go? Boom, right out of my hands, lickety-split, to go to gospel ministry in Chester County. Well, let's say the check never shows up in the mailbox, and Pico's calling, and the lights are going, and the building's falling over, and that dang AC don't get fixed by next summer. Oh, stinking Jesus, I got a pastor. No, 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 no. Praise you, God, because we have an opportunity to wait on you and see you come through in an amazing way for your glory, whatever that may be. My friends, there are signs. The joy is found in the middle ground of Christ. I can skip. 40 years from now, if God still gives me breath to preach, I'm probably not going to be skipping down this pew. I'd be dead. I'd fall and get hurt. But whether I skip or whether I can't move, I can praise God because I have peace with God. I have access to God. I have assurance of salvation. I have a living Savior. So when things change, he don't. Where are you seeking joy this moment? What, what are you praying most fervently about? What do you think you need? Well, what does the world tell you? Fame, fortune, reputation. You want to put your name on buildings. If you can get your name, listen, if you could get your name on skyscrapers, you'll be so happy. <laughs> you think? If you could get a stadium named after you that a professional sports team plays in, and your name is there for 200 years, you'll be happy because when you die, people will remember you. Amen? When you die, you know who it matters that they remember you? One person. His name is Jesus. And if he remembers you, and if he calls you beautiful, you have the ability to have true joy in him. world can't have that, folks. The world, a lost person, an unjustified person, an unrighteous person, cannot have joy. They can have fleeting happiness. Now, joy ain't giggle, giggle, ha, ha. Oh, the doctor says I'm going to die in two weeks. Yay, yay. No, stop. Don't be stupid on me here. You can cry in joy, but you know that the sun will rise in the morning. Amen? Hmm. We, we, we're walking through the, the valley of the shadow of death, right? But we ain't walking alone. And we're going somewhere where, where, listen, we are in the valley of the shadow of death. But we're going somewhere, ain't we? We're going to a promised land, ain't we? 
We're going to have all the desires of our heart exceeded beyond our wildest dreams, but not till we get there. So until we arrive, we walk by faith, trusting that God knows what he's doing. Who here is joyful? Who here is perfectly joyful? Who here wants to have joy? Do you smell what the rock is cooking? Our job is to trust in these truths and walk in these truths and in the power of God fight to hang on to these truths as we corporately live together for his glory. And when the world looks at us, they won't see us chasing what they're chasing so that we can be happy. They'll see us resting in who we are in Christ. How much money does it take to be happy? Well, that's a, that's a moving target, and you never hit it. How much money does it take to have joy? See that number? What, what type of relational status, how many kids do you need to have to be happy? Some of you are like, none. <laughs> you know what the answer is? It's just a sign that points to Jesus. What do you need to have joy? Jesus. What do you have as those who are justified? Jesus. Enough said? We, we have 11 more wonderful chapters here of Paul unpacking these truths for us. Notice he's writing to believers because believers need this reminder because we ain't yet what we're going to be. There's a party that's waiting for us. But until we get to the party, life is hard. But it's okay life is hard because Jesus said life would be hard. In this world, you will have trouble. But I don't want trouble. But you do. Why, Jesus? Because I have overcome the world. Do you know cancer never killed anybody? Jesus kills people. Track with me here. Who's the author and perfecter of life? Jesus allows cancer for his glory and a justified person can have joy in it. At rehab in Shannondale, not a whole lot of giggly parties going on. But I saw a little giggly party I hung out with sometimes as the Lord was gracious to reveal what he is doing as he sent them on a missionary journey. Amen? Amen. Joy is found in? Jesus. Alone. Take a minute. Literally, I'll give you two. And I want you just to go before the Lord and ask him to show you where you're looking for joy in all the wrong places. Spend some time, two minutes with the Lord.
Lord says in Proverbs 30, verse 8, Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. So one year at Halloween, I was handing out candy. And I was handing out Smarties. And for two hours I ate them. And they were horrible by the end. To this day, I can't eat Smarties again. My friends, enjoy candy and chips in proper measure. Don't think you need candy and chips. You don't need candy and chips. You need Jesus. Jesus plus what leads to joy? You hear that? Jesus needs nothing to give you the joy you desire. We live in a world that craves joy. They post on Facebook, look at me, look at me, notice me. Jesus has already looked and noticed and justified those who trust in him. They, they spend their whole lives fighting for, for a wonderful savings account so they can retire. And when you retire, you have joy, right? We got retired people in here? Just abundant, unceasing, unending joy, right? She let you hear that laugh? We, we, we look in all the wrong places for joy. Listen, there's nothing wrong. Well, I'll, I'll let you deal with a biblical theology of retirement. We'll wrestle that through in a Sunday school. There's something a little wrong with the Western approach. However, we'll stay on, on target here. The world is chasing joy and can never have it. And they can never have it first and foremost because they don't have peace with God. Do you understand the reality of hell? An eternity spent under the wrath of God is enemies of God. The, the lake of fire, eternal, unending, unceasing pain and anguish and grief and mourning and suffering. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, my goodness. How could anyone ever mock that? Do you know what you were saved from? Do you know what Jesus came to save the world from? Not to a little party with an Easter bunny or Santa Claus. I hate to break it to you. He came to save them from the wrath of God, but he came to save them to something, and that's a relationship with him. And in that relationship, as we live for his glory, he gives us joy in return. Do you see that? Don't seek the joy, seek the glory. And when you seek the glory, God gives you the joy. Life is full of signs. Do you worship the sign? Or do you allow the sign to point you to more fully worship the Savior? You want to know how to do an audit on that? What you doing this afternoon? No, I'm not inviting you to something. There is a reason you've chosen how you're going to spend your Sunday afternoon doing what you're doing. As believers, we want to think that through in all areas of our life. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it for the glory of God? Or is it to try to find happiness or peace or rest in a sign that I'm choosing to worship? Some of y'all are doing things for the glory of God all day today, and praise God for that. You get no credit. Others of you are thinking, I can't wait to get out of here, and that may be on me a bit. I apologize. But the reality is, all that we do, let all that we do be done in love for the glory of God, and as we do that, and as we trust in him in that, he, re he returns to us favor and joy and peace as he prepares for us this eternal weight of glory. Do you guys understand who Jesus is? Do you understand the importance of your joy? God has tied his joy to our joy. And our joy is what God puts on display before a lost world. 
The prosperity gospel says God's putting on display rich and healthy folks. That's the most pathetically wicked, evil gospel you can find out there, false gospel. God is putting on display his people for his glory, and his people are to be a joyful people. Do you know that the fruit of the Spirit is love what? What's that next one? You can't have joy apart from the Spirit. But as you walk in the power of the Spirit, you will have joy unceasing and unending. And when the world looks at you, they may very well say things that may see things that make no sense to them. I didn't know you had seven and a half million dollars. Why would you know? It's no big deal. It's just stuff. Well, well, what do you mean? Doesn't that bring you joy? No, it's stuff. Someone else says, you only have $7.50 and you can't even pay the Pico bill. Why aren't you freaking out? It's just the Pico bill. I know the, I know the guy who put the sun in the sky and he owns a cattle on a thousand hill. I'm not freaking out. Someone may say, you have the most miserable job in the world. You, you, you're a janitor at, at a, a dog retreat. I should be careful because someone might be doing that who's listening into this. It's not a bad job. Pardon me. Side note, we'll get back to it. They say, how could you have joy if you're cleaning dog bathrooms? You say, because I don't find my joy in the job. I'm so thankful to have hands and legs and eyes to be able to serve the lowliest, watch this, the lowliest of creatures because before God, I'm no different than a dog sitting at the table waiting for some crumbs. See where I went with that? Good catch. My friends, we are called to live as a spectacle in a lost world and as we trust in God and we put down the cooks and the cooks and the chippies, the chips and the cookies, (laughs) and we feast on what God has to offer. He changes us into an incredibly and immensely joyful people. You can't strum it up on your own. You can't fake it. But you can't stop it as you walk with Jesus. Romans 5, 1 through 11 is a far more beautiful text than I realized when I got into it. The the, the book of Romans, I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am, going through this and unpacking this living word of God. This is immensely encouraging, I find, but it's also immensely rewarding. How incredible that that God justified us, but not just to save us from the wrath of God, to bring us joy unceasing for his glory. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, which produces character, which produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Why does hope not put us to shame? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. My my friends, this is the word of God for while we were weak, At the right time, Jesus died for the ungodly. One will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, by his death, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, 
Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. It's kind of like God says to save folks. Remember, you got to be justified. If you're not justified, if you're here and haven't trusted in Christ, you're never going to have joy. The only guarantee I can give you is hell and misery. That's what God promises to lost people. But those who trust in him and walk with him by grace through faith, he puts an offer before us in these 11 verses. And this gracious, loving God says, do you want joy? Joy overflowing, unceasing. Do you want this joy? And the question is posed to you and by your actions you get to answer. And the answer is, will you trust in these truths and walk in light of these truths and believe that Jesus knows better than you? Or will you run after the world's wares and eat the chips and cookies? Because as a saved person, you can't lose your salvation, but you can look a whole lot like me when I ate Smarties for two hours. And that powdery smell of Smarties still to this day causes me to dry heave. I sat there for literally two hours unrolling those things and eating those things. Laura came back with the kids, and I'm sitting on the curb outside the house. Do you want to dry heave your life away? Or do you want the joy that comes with following Christ? Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that, that you would be glorified by us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would work through your word today. That you would take that was ever from just me and throw it to the trash pile quick. But your words, that they would be planted deeply in our hearts. Lord, it is unimaginable that you saved us as enemies. And you didn't just forgive us. You didn't just save us from the wrath of God. You didn't just send Jesus to make yourself propitious towards us, favorable towards us. You saved us to yourself. You saved us to give us joy because through the joy you give to us, we glorify you. Lord, that is just unfathomable that, that you are for us, that you want better for us than we can ever fathom. And all you're calling us to as justified people is to trust in you, to trust that your word is true, to trust as we sang this morning that you, Jesus, are in fact better than life. And Lord, in our heads, in our intellect, we know it's true, but the world offers a happy meal and we keep trying to eat it. We, we keep chasing down what the world offers and looking at lost people and, and, and living too much like them. And we wonder why people don't ask us for a reason for the hope that's within us and it's because we're eating out of the same bag they are all day long. And Jesus, we pray that you forgive us. We pray that we wouldn't try to impress people with us, but cause them to be impressed with you. Lord Jesus, on our own, there is absolutely no way we will feast from your table. But as we walk in your power and for your glory, as we walk in, in daily obedience to you, in even seeming monotonous daily obedience, we realize you do your most incredible work in the monotony of life that you're preparing us, that you're maturing us, that you're guiding us. And Lord, I pray also that you remind us that we are not to be doing this by ourselves. In a Western church, we're all about me and Jesus. 
But in the kingdom of God, it's not about me and Jesus. It's about Jesus and his people. So I pray, Lord, that you would help us, as, as me as Bag reminded us this morning, that we are part of a mentor-protege program. And we are all mentors and we are all protégés in the kingdom of God. And we disciple one another for your glory. And Lord, we can hear our flesh yell out, I don't want to do that. I want to eat the chips. But Lord, how marvelous that even while we feast at your table, we notice that there are chips on the table. That you put candy on the table. But the candy and the chips are simply a sign that point more fully to you. And Lord, perhaps we find ourselves in a season where there are no chips and candy, where there's really not much of anything that seems to make us happy. Well, Lord, in those seasons, I pray that we see them for what you intend them to be. It's times to draw us more fully to you. And times to realize the only thing we have to eat is living bread. And living bread is more than enough. Lord, you are the God who provided manna in the wilderness. You are the God who spoke all things into creation. You are the God who promised Abram that he would be a father of many and then changed his name to Abraham, calling him a father of multitudes. And you keep your promises always. So, Lord, whether we find ourselves in times of abundance or times of need, we pray that we would see them as signs that point to you and rejoice in you as we trust in you and have the joy you set before us. Jesus, help us to understand that you are awesome, that you truly are our all in all, and that you are more than sufficient. You are, in fact, better than life. Jesus, in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. In Christ alone.